Hello, and welcome to Preferred Return, a podcast about the state of technology and private equity in venture capital. I'm your host, Jeff Williams, SVP of Industry Solutions and Strategy at Altvia, a software provider with the vision of creating a single source of truth data set for private equity and venture capital firms. It's our hope to share interesting stories, profiles of firms, people, service providers, anything else we can to help create an interesting conversation about the state of technology in the market. I make all the podcast music, so I hope you dig it. Either way, thanks for joining us. With that, let's get after it. Tell me about your background, man. I mean, um, super interesting. Tell me a little bit about pass-through, which you guys been up yeah. to, how, how you came to be, and um, and and I guess the problem that, that you guys see that, that you're able to solve. Yeah, pa- pass-through was an issue. My, my co-founders and I all worked at Carta previously in uh, different roles. And when Carta had launched its fund administration business back in 2018, we were onboarding clients left and right, and onboarding clients means you got to pull information from somewhere and go put it into your systems. And so we'd get all these new clients coming on board, we'd get these executed subscription agreements, and we'd have all this unstructured data that somehow we'd have to find a way to get into our systems. And so if we were lucky, they used Adobe to fill everything out, and it was legible. If not, they did pen and paper. And so we had a team of people that their entire job was basically just taking information out of these subscription agreements, transcribing it into an Excel file, uploading it into a system of choice, extremely manual, extremely error prone. Nobody paid us for it. And so the first question that my partner Ben asked was, why isn't any of this data structured? And so you learn more about the subscription process and got to understand what our perspective was as a, as a fund administrator, was a service provider, but also the perspective of other people. So there's a parallel process that happens at law firms. They're pulling a lot of information out. They're updating into a tracker, taking them all sorts of time. You have the same opportunities to have that information being correct. And then you have all sorts of problems with investors, limited partners, filling these things out wrong. Why would they fill it out wrong? Because a subscription document is 100 questions, 200 questions, something like that. And these questionnaires are designed to be really broad because they need to capture things that matter to you and I as individuals, but also JP Morgan's pension plan. And so people have no idea what questions to answer. They uh, answer questions that don't apply to them. They miss questions that should apply to them. And then if you're going to revise it, state of the art on it is to use DocuSign or wet signature. And so that means you're redoing the entire thing all over again. And so my partner, Ben, saw that there was some workflow there where you could basically take this questionnaire, add some logic to it, and you know, don't force people to adopt a standard because there's no such thing as a standard in subscription documents, but go meet the lawyers where they were and provide a simpler frictionless experience for LPs. Um, so last year, Ben left Carta, Alex left Google, Alex is our head of engineering, Ben runs our product and operations um, to go build pass-through and I ended up joining them in the spring. The idea with pass-through is that we'll take any subscription agreement, doesn't matter who your attorney is, doesn't matter where it's domiciled, as long as it's in English, we can handle it, and we'll build out all of the logic associated with it so that your question, your investors only see the questions that matter to them and they see every question that matters to them and all the execution, all of their visions can happen directly online in one platform. So from a fund manager's perspective, they can invite all of their LPs in. They can see exactly where they're in the process, know, they when, know when they need to nudge people along. 
the LPs are only seeing like that subset that applies to them. Uh, and then the revision process we've made way easier, simple for the law firms to collaborate, mark those documents as being in good order. Then everything's approved and then everything's countersigned and all the closing sets and side letters, et cetera, are all kicked off automatically to people. And then at the end of the day, that data is structured, which is the very first problem that we came across. So fund admins, law firms, uh, fund managers, everybody can extract custom reports out. They can extract all the documentation so that it just plugs in seamlessly into wherever it needs to go. Fascinating. Um, I like the way you boiled that down too. Um, who is the primary customer? I mean, I, I guess there's a, a chance you could be selling to law firms. And I, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on whether or not there's like a mafia. Because I, I mean, going back a couple of years to where we first started hearing like, we want to, you know, go through an electronic subscription process. You're like, obviously, but then what you realize is like, you know, a lot of the law firms that handle this on behalf of GPs are like, no, 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 no. You know? And it was like almost this sort of mafia that was holding the you know, market, which is a big market and a healthy one. Do you guys sell to lawyers or, I mean, it's certainly one of the things that, that just in, in you saying that, but certainly from, from looking at your website and looking at some screenshots, you're lawyer friendly. And that all of a sudden is this light bulb goes off for me. I mean, you were never going to sort of get counsel on board without, you know, some transparency for them. But, um, tell us a little bit about who you, who your primary customers are and, and the sort of dynamic with lawyers. Yeah. Primary customer is the fund manager. Um, and the thing that I am selling to those fund managers isn't that I'm necessarily going to reduce their fees. I'm not going to create an antagonistic relationship with their, their law firm partner. The thing that I'm selling them is that I'm going to make this experience significantly easier for you and significantly easier for your investors so that you can just get off and go do the work that you want to do, which is deploy capital, right? Just move on to the next thing after the raise is done. And we're going to just make sure that that process is seamless. So law firms traditionally aren't our customers but they're really important parts of the ecosystem as you've pointed out. And so while they might not be paying us, um, we need to make sure that they have a really good experience. And so a lot of the things that we design in terms of how the exports work is, okay, well, you have this manual tracker, you have all these other things. How can we actually make you operate better uh, from like your fund formation practice? And so even though they're not paying customers, we need to make sure that their experience is seamless because like they and the administrator on the back end, everybody's participating and collaborating on this one thing. And so it's a coordination challenge. Tell us a little bit about your experience. The, the company is what, just 18 months or so, or not even old, but was the sort of identification of this problem largely the result of, you know, people talking about it and having a lack of solution? I, like what has been, like, I have to imagine based on what we've seen that people were sort of lined up, you know, at the door when, when you open, I mean, it, it's sort of this, this problem that has become more, you know, there's more awareness about and seemingly a, a lack of a good solution for a long time. I mean, what, what's been the experience thus far at the company? So the, the very beginning, the company started in the early days of, of COVID. And so that was at first like markets froze up. Right. And then markets accelerated quickly. And so everything that that meant for fundraising, but it also ignited like a broader trend towards why do I need to do things in the same analog way? And so this market that we thought everything was gonna to consolidate towards eventually of, um, yeah, sure, of course, obviously these things should be online. Obviously they should be 
simple for people not to have to go print something out, sign it, scan it, go upload it again. Um, so COVID ended up accelerating things quicker than we thought and driving people towards this trend. Um, when we started the company last year, my, when my partner started it, we focused basically on getting the product ready. We had spent a lot of our careers working at Carta. We understood a lot about what the experience was like for investors there, investors that we'd seen on other platforms. And so we wanted to design an experience that was as frictionless as possible for investors to step through. So we had our first beta customer back in May of last year, and then a couple more customers in the fall, and then a couple more in the winter. And then ever since then, it's kind of snowballed and really picked up. And to date, we haven't spent any time doing um, any outbound. This is this is a pretty tight network, right? Like every every law firm works with a ton of different people. Every LP is in a number of different funds. And so our experience today has just been, let's create the best experience for everybody else that's out there so that the next time that they go raise a fund and they call their lawyer, the lawyer says, well, it's just easier for you to be on pass-through. And for those LPs, well, hey, my information's on pass-through. I've run through this before or whatever it is. It's just simpler if you guys do this than anything else. Um, and so that's really what our focus has been. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so many people I'm realizing that are interested in this the data that comes through this process, right? So you, you talked about the structured data. I mean, one thing that we bump into, uh, or, or the reason I suppose that we bump into people asking about this quite a bit is because we're interested in this data, um, to then begin the life cycle of sort of customer service and communication, right? I mean, like if you think only about, um, the contacts, like the, they will be receiving information and what types of information they'll be receiving and stuff. And, you know, typically a, a function or an outcome of the subscription doc. Um, super interesting. That's just part of it, right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And, and I think you had, had said something to the effect of, you know, fund admin, right? That's kind of a little bit, I guess, the, the same thing, but there's all sorts of stuff in this process, right? I mean, there's, um, compliance dynamics. I mean, it, I guess what I'm realizing as we're talking about this in real time is there are a ton of consumers of this information. It's like the sort of, I guess I, I've used the analogy of GPs and LPs coming together as somewhat of a marriage. I guess you could sort of use that and like, the, you know, there's a lot of sort of very important things that, you know, are artifacts of the marriage ceremony itself. It's just the beginning of a long relationship, hopefully. Um, I mean, how, what, what am I not thinking about in terms of other people that, I mean, there's no shortage of, of, uh, desire for this information and you guys probably make it super easy on all those folks to, to acquire it. I, I think you, I think you hit on it. So, um, fund closing by itself is a, is an annoying problem and it very much deserves to be solved. Um, the, What's fund closing actually doing though? Fund closing is verifying the identity of these investors. And so somebody goes through this whole process of filling out this long subscription agreement for a lawyer to ultimately say, this person's qualified to invest in your fund. You can accept their commitment. And then everybody goes on and the the relationship continues with the fund manager. But that identity verification piece, it extends beyond just the subscription document to your point. And so long-term, that's what we're moving towards is where should this identity, once it's been captured, be repurposed? Mm. Well, tell me a little bit about that. I've, I've, I know just very little, but it, my understanding is that on KYC, AML, are, are there 
you know, at least even if rudimentary, are there databases that you can check these entities against? I mean, what, what is it that a lawyer does? I mean, do they sort of Google the formal legal name on the subscription doc? Probably not. There's got to be, even if not the vision you guys have of sort of centralizing identity. I mean, there's got to be something. Yeah, they can. So the what most people have done around KYC in the past is they've used service providers like LexisNexis and WorldCheck to go take the individuals, to go take those um, entities and screen them against sanctions lists, politically exposed persons lists, so that people know who and what is coming into their fund. Um, and I guess one of the one of the good things for us, uh, one of the troubling things for fund managers is that there's just increasingly more regulation. And so, um, you know, we're working towards ex abstracting a lot of that complexity away so that really it's just like collecting that information and that just goes where it needs to go. Uh, but yeah, so the way that they're doing it right now is just, you could go on to, uh, I forget what OFAC stands for, but OFAC is essentially uh, a variety of different sanctions lists put together. You could go on their website right now and you could go search up somebody's name and you could see any possible likely matches, right? So that's just a simple repurposing of that. And then obviously you need to make sure that it's not just the name, what's the license, what's the passport, what's the proof of address, what's the, you know, whatever the standard is. It, it's a it's a pretty complex topic um, that I've seen from a couple different angles in my career. But yeah, it, it absolutely, it's, uh, there, there's all sorts of different ways that people are doing it right now. Um, I guess one of the challenges is the way that they're doing it is they're just taking these executed PDFs and everybody's just shuffling them back and forth between everybody who needs to access that same information. Yeah. The Office of Foreign Assets Control, a new there we go. federal agency I had never heard of. It's sort of a daily occurrence, perhaps. Founded in December of 1950, 200 employees. So, you know, that almost like, like literally the sort of visual that I have on my screen right now is just like screams ripe for disruption and privatization. Are you comfortable talking about just kind of high level vision? I mean, what the sort of plan for, like, I'm interested in exploring this. Like, I think you talked about, you know, sort of a lot of people might think about this as a feature, but like with the desire from a lot of different, you know, sort of people in the ecosystem. Are you comfortable talking about sort of how, um, what you guys plan to do there? Are you planning to, to partner, integrate, stuff like that? Yeah, the, from like a, from a product strategy standpoint, the, the big thing that we're really running at right now, and it, the whole thing is how do we just make this frictionless for investors, right? So their identity can just transfer along where it needs to go. And so the, the big thing that we're running at is you know, first you have to do that across subscription agreements. And so if it's, you know, let's say that they're using um, the Goodwin docs right now and they go from uh, one fund on Goodwin to the next fund on Goodwin, it's the same structure or whatever. It's simple enough to run a script to move all that information back and forth and so on and so forth. The thing that we really uh, we need to do is that when that investor goes into a fund that's using Kirkland and Ellis docs, that information needs to flow seamlessly. And it sounds like it's, I don't know, it's kind of a trivial problem. It seems like it should be because it's all the same answers that are essentially being reapplied. Um, but it's actually a, a more complicated mapping exercise than that. And so that's the thing that we're really working on solving right now. And then, you know, once we've solved that, then it kind of forces us to have a complex understanding of who these investors are and where they want to go. And then we just kind of allow them to take their identity with them. So really right now it's just, how do we make fund closing 
you know, I don't want to say turn it into a buy now in the private markets, but how do we turn it into almost one click for people to just step through, make sure that their information is is accurate, and then they can just go on and do anything else in their life that's better than filling out a subscription agreement. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts. I mean, um, this is one area where I think that there's, I don't know, perhaps there's, you, you could tell me, but it, it seems like generally in the private markets, like the idea of open data and a sort of data exchange is one that many companies have, have mm -hmm. sort of salivated over, but which the sort of market dynamics have frowned upon and it just is too challenging. I mean, is this an area where there's very little for, you know, people to be concerned about this? They're, they're sort of identity related information specifically. Cause I mean, as, yeah. as soon as you start to talk about like, fun performance, totally different thing, right? It, more understandable, but this is one area, it seems where there's not really too much sort of caginess, if you will. So the, the way that we generally think about an investor and their identity is it's not our information, it's that investor's information. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanna do is give that investor the ability to do whatever it is they'd like with their own identity. Because right now what their identity is, is floating around in PDFs and emails everywhere. And I want to allow them to just kind of centrally control it. Yeah. And I want, but I, the point is that I want them to control it. I don't, I don't want to have a say in it. Ultimately, the service provider that they give access to, the application that they plug their data into, that's on them. I, yeah. I, I want to have nothing to do with that. It's their own data. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point because really what you're doing here is making everyone's lives easier, but only it really starts at the sort of institutional or, or the, you know, kind of limited partner entity owning their own data and saying, yeah, like, first off, this would be much easier if I could just say, yes, pre-populate this all like I did the last time. Um, it, it makes me think and in, in where I'm kind of unpacking the question to ultimately is just generally your thoughts on like kind of more open data. I mean, so let, like, let's hop over to fun performance data, right? I mean, that is also GPE owned right like it's mm -hmm. different entity now different side of the equation um but like i've always wondered why it is or, or wondered about the opportunity i suppose not getting too hung up in why gps won't do this because i get why they won't just openly share on performance with anybody they do want to control it but the lack of standardization of how it's you know captured yeah. how it's reported how it's structured all those sorts of things are kind of similar related issues here. And I've had conversations with, you know, personally with, with, um, some of the largest venture and, and private equity firms and, and everybody sort of feels like, yeah, you know, it'd be kind of interesting, but what is it that's missing? I mean, it standardization is a simple word you could use to answer that question, but standardization is pretty straightforward. I mean, it really just the sort of paranoia still, or like, what, what are your thoughts on this? And like sort of open data, open identity, you know, type stuff in this market, you guys are, are playing in a, even if tangential, slightly related portion of it. So it's been a really bespoke market. If a large endowment's coming in, there's a good chance that they might even come in and redline a subscription agreement so that it fits exactly what it is they do and don't want to respond, even the subscription agreement. And so right now, there's no standard. Every law firm, sometimes even each partner within a law firm, might have their own view of how they should collect this information. And so we had a choice. What we could do is we could 
uh, you know, just partially from our own strategy from what we're doing as a business, but then how that just relates to the future is we could say, all right, maybe there is a standard. And what we need to do is we need to build that standard and we need to get people on board with it. But to our earlier point around what law firms are doing, um, I'd rather go meet a lawyer where they are. And what I want to do is create an answer that's flexible to the 20 different ways that you can ask this question. That's ultimately what I want is I don't want to force people into a standard anywhere. I want to just be able to handle all of that complexity within our application so that it doesn't matter how somebody asks it. It doesn't matter what lawyer you're using. It doesn't matter how whatever it is. And so uh, then at the end of it, sure, like it forces us to have to structure the data in some ways. And then the way that that data can be reapplied or even the way that we can one day perhaps go back to an attorney and say, hey, we took a look at this question. And we noticed that when you ask about qualified client representations, that 20% of the time people get it wrong. The standard is around 5% of the time. Here's what we've seen for something that's a better way to ask this question. Sure. But the thing that we also have to recognize is that there's constantly going to be more regulation. There's constantly going to be something that is unique to this fund. There's constantly going to be whatever. And so you know, standardization on the document request side, I don't think ever happens. I think what does happen is you just get to have a more complete picture of who this investor is over time and how that data plugs into what somebody's asking them. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, I think that part of, you know, the challenge that we have in doing what we do, which is at the end of the day, I think a lot of our customers view as sort of their special sauce, right? So in, in terms of kind of internal CRM type stuff, right? And we, we uh, just did a webinar this morning. My colleague Kale loves to use this phrase, which I love, and he used it this morning. It, it, it is something to the effect of like, 20% improvement of how you do fund admin or like accounting, for example, right, is only going to create so much more value, right? Like it, you cannot mess this, this function up. But really like the ability to find LPs, provide them with service, the ability to find investment opportunities that are differentiated and, and win, that's the sort of stuff that drive people. And so in, in where we sort of play in CRM, a lot of people, I think, sort of inherently say like, oh, well, well, we need to do this and that and the other. And so one of the things that you just mentioned is that you create an opportunity to sort of say, to share best practices, if you will, right? Like flip that conversation from like, well, I know that's how you do it. But one thing we've seen work other places is that. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, no, cool. And so maybe that's one way. I mean, it was sort of implied through your answer, even if indirectly, but Maybe just the move from containing this super wide spectrum of possibility of what a subscription document could contain or how you would be tracking intermediaries and potential, you know, deals. What if it just was skinny down a little bit? So, so we almost sort of the implication of the word standardization is like this sort of perfectly vertical line right down the middle. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, we ought not to be chasing perfection, but embrace improvement and skinning that down a little bit so that there is room for nuance. These are complicated vehicles, complicated, you know, investment strategies. You can't sort of move the market with, you know, standardization, it will just move away from you. But maybe there is an opportunity to kind of skinny things down a little bit, share best practices. I mean, that that's been our experience. It sounds like it, it, it's been yours, too. I think that's right. Uh, there are there are also two other like forces at play here that maybe you're seeing something similar. Um, first is that there are more participants in the private markets now than there ever have been. Yeah. 
And so all these pipes, all these different ways that we have been collecting data, organizing data, it's not exactly the most robust pipes historically. And so it was fine when it was like this alternative asset class, but alternatives are less alternative every day. Yeah. Something that we saw firsthand at Carta, something that we see now is just this maturation of the private markets, and they tend to look more and more like the public markets. And so there's a whole lot of room to catch up. And so, you know, everything that was built to handle what alternatives looked like 20 years ago doesn't work today. And so the pressure from that is part of the reason why we're out there. It's part of the reason why we're solving fund closing. Um, but it's also part of the, I don't know, it's part of what's going to force people to do something that's more scalable on their end, too. And so, like, you want to go sign up, uh, you want to go buy an ETF and you don't have a brokerage account? You sign up on Robinhood in two minutes. You want to go invest in a private equity fund? Okay, call your lawyer and start collaborating on the document. Mm -hmm. And so, eventually, it just has to get to a place where, you know, whether it's the way you're investing in funds, whether it's the way that all the things are going to look more and more like the public markets every day. And so, you just have to try to enable it. Yeah, love that. So on that note that I'm interested in your thoughts too, because I love the sort of way you're kind of looking at this stuff and light bulbs go off when you see sort of inefficient things. I, we've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times, and I have to say, I didn't originally coin this phrase, but I've been thinking about it for a long time. And then somebody mentioned this phrase, which is Tinder for PE, right? And but the sort of like, mm -hmm. ah, dang, right? Like that's the sort of thing I've been thinking about, you know, well before I had heard that. But like on this, on this note, I mean, again, so closing is the end of the dating period, the beginning of the sort of marriage. I've always thought that like, or struggled to understand how we're not already there um, it, to this kind of more tender thing, which is, it seems like right now this market is very much about sort of kind of old school, right? Like you need to go out to the bar, you need to be there all night all the bars you can, you know, come loaded with a bunch of pickup lines and be ready to, you know, answer unexpected questions. And, and then all of a sudden, it, you know, it's this world where like, here's what I'm interested in. And, you know, at a basic sort of level, and certainly those algorithms are no longer basic, but there's other people looking for you and what you're interested in. And now it just becomes a match of sort of saying, okay, well, here are these people. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I like we play in data room and then the same data room becomes used as, as the, you know, portal. It's amazing to me that like, I've always been obsessed with this idea that like open up your data room, right? Don't mm -hmm. like one of the features of our data room is like, no, you can't just sign up, but like putting in preferences in, as an institutional LP and saying, okay, well, um, you know, here are the sort of types of strategies I'm interested in. On the flip side, if there are GPs using our data room that meet those characteristics of saying like, hell yeah, like here's an invitation to come in and kind of see if you like anything. I mean, it, it's sort of interesting as it relates to you guys, it might be a stretch, but like immediately validating the identity of, of one and, and making sure that it's like a real person on the other end of the app and not some sort of bot. What are your thoughts on that sort of thing? Are we ever going to get there? I mean, I think we will. I just wonder whether I'm going to be alive still or not. Sort of emulating the public markets. It's like reducing the friction of like not having to go find those people, but just letting them come find you a little bit. 
yeah, I, I hope that there's 50 of those things get built and they're all built on top of pasta and I'm agnostic <laughs> who wins, but I agree. I think things are going to move in that direction. The, the stuff that I always get concerned about whenever there's something like that is, uh, the difference between a first, second, third, and fourth quartile fund manager, right? And then you get some selection bias at play and, and availability bias. And so, you know, how do those things work? I, I'm very interested in how it goes. I know a couple of other folks that are building stuff like that right now. And I, I um, really good people that I think are really qualified to go build it. I, I think that something like this will come along. It's a hard business to build, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to see it happen. And I agree, it will happen. Yeah, the identity, I hadn't given that much thought, but the identity stuff is, is really quite interesting. You know, it, it's an appropriate level relative to a consumer dating application, mm -hmm. an appropriate level of sort of verification, right? What you have to do in the C to C type dating thing is make sure that you're real and do the best you can to sort of make sure those are actually pictures of you and, and stuff like that. But in this case, immediately that's sort of immediate friction and perhaps not the sort of explicit and direct problem you guys set out to solve, but perhaps so. And, and whether it is or not, it, it may end up be, being a byproduct of that. Yeah, it could be. It's going to be interesting to see where just like this broader thing goes, like ultimately you kind of suppose that people are going to want to control their information in as few places as possible. And there's just this kind of movement towards it. And uh, I hope that's something that we get to play a part in. Uh, but I can tell you the one thing that I, I really want to do is just make it really simple to close your fund. That's it. That's all <laughs> I, I, let me solve that first, then I can go figure out what we're going to yeah. go do next with it. Well, I love the focus, though, because they're, to your point, I mean, there's so there are so many opportunities. And, and you know that capitalism is still alive and well when you start hearing about a problem and then all of a sudden you, you know, see a bunch of companies spin up to solve it. And um, perhaps what, you know, doesn't always happen is, is a maniacal focus on solving a problem that the people have enough people have in which you know they're, they're willing to pay to solve and so i love that, that you guys are that focused what is the you know competition like i mean i i've bumped into a couple of, of companies I, I i must say from what i've seen which is you know very little um seems like you know the way you guys are going about it certainly one thing that stands out right away is the flexibility you know a lot of these yeah. solutions that that we've seen you know, none of which seems to be sort of clearly winning, right? It's not like it's still early days here. Seems like there is a fair amount of competition though. Yeah. Well, I think what's winning right now is uh, Adobe and DocuSign and pen and paper. Like yeah. that's the, the biggest competition right now is people not having a solution in place. So it's a fun opportunity. Um, yeah. A couple other kinds of providers here. Uh, you have Again, most people are using pen and paper or something similar, but um, you have the vertically integrated providers, so people who are attaching this to a back office, and the way that they think about it is how do I gain like all this internal operational efficiency, and um, you can go by fund closing software, plus my fund administration, plus my like everything else that I'm doing on top of it, and it's really convenient to bundle things together. Um, and there's a number of different solutions like that, and I... I have heard good things regularly about them, uh, but you're forcing somebody to adopt like multiple pieces of a, a platform. And our goal is let's be a little bit more uh, provider agnostic. I don't care who your law firm is. I don't care who your fund administrator is. I don't care. All, all that I care about is that your documents are in English. That's, that's the only thing that I care about. Um, then you have uh, other sets of providers that are um, 
take an approach that's similar-ish to ours, where you want to be a little flexible. You want to go meet people where they are. I, I think a little bit of the difference is in our focus, right, is like we're doing fund closing. And that's the thing that we really care about. If we get fund closing right, if we make sure that this information is interoperable across subscription agreements, then we've done our job and we can go figure out the rest of it. Um, some of them have taken the approach of like, what's a broader solution for investor relations teams? Uh, some of them have taken the approach of maybe there needs to be a data room. Maybe there needs to be a CRM. And those are all totally valid approaches. Um, but ultimately, we think the thing that makes this interesting is that that investor needs to port their information back and forth. And so if that's the case, then I want to go build that. And so it's a little bit of a difference in philosophy. I, I, that That's kind of the the big thing. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it's a an important one. Um, I mean, one thing we set out to do when we built, you know, Portal and, and Data Room was kind of throw out everything that was sort of assumed up till that point, right? And And so much of it, I think, was about building for the customer. And, and we looked at it as like, really, we're building for the customer's customer. Like, in a way, right? I mean, this ought to be like something that they're thrilled with. And if that means that they spend 30 seconds in there versus dragging them through 30 minutes, you know, and so like all of the traditional sort of software metrics perhaps aren't aren't necessarily valid anymore. And, and um, I like to think that to your point earlier about just sort of how organic the um, byproduct of pleasing, you know, LPs is, right? I mean, they start talking they mm -hmm. say, hey, this is like, great, we're really thrilled at how easy this was. And, and you have to solve a, a problem for the payor as well. And that's efficiency. In, in your case, it is in ours as well. And this is really about serving the customer's customer and making it easy on them. And, and to your point there at the end of that answer, just focusing on that, right? Like, as, as I hear you say, like, okay, well, like vertically integrated providers can probably struggle with that a little bit more so. And, and so I love that um, philosophy because that's one that, that we've built around too. What's going to happen in the future, man? You're, you're very visionary. It, it could be in this market. I mean, we talked a little bit about that. It could be outside of this market. What, tell us a little bit about the future. You're a future forward looking individual, I can tell. I think that our, our approach on this is where does identity verification happen for these investors? Kind of across the private markets. It happens at this moment at which they sign up for funds, but it happens in a bunch of other places too. And everybody's having to solve it. And sometimes you're solving it in your own software. Sometimes you're solving it just like by coordinating it. And I don't know, it feels like this strange infrastructure problem that I don't understand why like everybody has to go build their own unique solution to it. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the fun thing could be is if you were to allow people to build on top of it, what would they build? Yeah. And so like, I hope somebody builds 20 tenders and we get to go just be the backbone of it. Yeah. Love it. Well, thanks, man. This is a fascinating conversation. I think what you guys are doing is amazing. I'm glad to see, um, not only that, that, somebody's being this thoughtful, but just the sort of philosophy and sharing, you know, in spirit, some of the same principles that we do. So, um, thanks for sharing the story with us and, and wish you guys best of luck, man. I hope that that's the case too. And, uh, I'm just going to kind of sit back and watch now. I'm certain that it will be. <laughs> <laughs>